0: Wow! Yes, one of the rituals way. of training camp. <laughs> that that show—I didn't know you could do a quartet. I thought it all had to be solo. Yeah, they're they're
1: letting they're being nice to them right there. They're they're letting them off the hook. They need to like Josh Allen, my boy Blue. You need to make them do it again. That's not enough energy there. The fact that the crowd is having to help them out and the rest of the team. I mean, I like the little no-shirt look that they got working there and all that, but, man, not enough energy out of that group. Like Most locker rooms are like, that's not good enough. You're going to have to come back up tomorrow. We need more energy. I'm trying to
0: picture Chris Sims, 2003, 19 years ago, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who had just won the Super Bowl Room full of badasses. <laughs> yeah, we did. We had a lot of badasses Warren Sapp, on our team. John Lynch, right. Derek Brooks, Rondé Barber, all those guys in the room, and John Gruden. Yeah. Take me through. Take oh, me through it. What I, did you sing? I did not have to sing, oddly enough. I did not. I mean, I
1: have so many stories about my rookie year, and of course, they didn't need me at all as I'm coming off a Super Bowl, so that was, you know, not a thing. I, as I think I've told you before, I never had to sing, you know, but... My experiences with Warren Sapp were my hazing. That's what they were. You know, again, John Gruden, my first my first time in the building, hey, get in there. You know, when you bust through the locker room, make sure you get around and shake, you know, all the veterans' hands. And I feel like he knew, like, the first veteran I was going to see when you go through the locker room was Warren Sapp. And I stuck my hand out, and he went, get the hell away from me. He said another word that begins with an F. And he goes, and – and I felt so uncomfortable, and he's so loud, and he's the loudest guy in the locker room. That I, you know, I stuck my hand out and I just walked away, and like totally uncool. And I know guys are chuckling and giggling. I didn't know how to react. I'm sure my face was red. But slowly but surely, he took me under his wing to a degree. He might say something nice to me, and then he'd crap on me a minute later. But I had to always, I think, as I told you, bring his. I've told you this before. Bring his bags to his room. And uh, any trip, I had to carry his bags. The whole year I had to have skull on me at all times. So I had a huge thing of skull in my locker room. And whenever he needed it, I had to be like, he'd come in hey, Simmy. That's how he talked to me. Simmy, Simmy, Simmy. And he'd just stick out his hand. And I had to, like, throw him one across the locker room. And we were good. So that was kind of my hazing uh, right there, but it it was a great time. It really was. I I I'd, I'd go back again and let Warren Zap harass me right now if you could. <laughs> was was he was he a Skull guy or a Copenhagen? He was guy? a Skull guy. Skull guy Wintergreen, um, I believe. And and one I told you I think I think Copenhagen I've,
0: is Copenhagen is a hundred times nastier than Skull. But oh. Skull in and of itself is nasty. Oh,
1: it's it's I I did dip I think once in my life and I was spinning around and turned green in like five minutes. I don't know how guys used to do that, but we had a game that year in Washington about week five or six, and I forgot the skull, and I was like, oh, no, I ran out in my bag. I didn't have enough, and it's the day of the game, and I'm going, oh, man, I got to avoid him. I got to avoid him because he's going to make a scene. I know he was going to make a scene. And so I'm waiting for breakfast. I'm looking at the clock going, okay, we got breakfast is only out there for five more minutes before the bus comes. So I'm going to go down and just shove it in my mouth and then run out to the bus and try to avoid him. And I'm sitting in the back of the room and I'm going at it and I'm going, okay, this looks good. It's going as planned and busting through the door. Hey, Simmy. And I looked at him (laughs) and I was like, I was like this. And I just shook my head like a little puppy, like, I don't have it. <laughs> and he yelled some four-letter words and whatever else and stormed out of the room. And, oh, man, that was the worst. He gave me crap the rest of the day. That was the day he danced through the stretching lines of the Washington then Redskin football team. You remember that? When it was pregame warm-ups and he kind of, like, skipped through their, their whole stretching scene and uh, made it a little uncomfortable there. Was that, was that there. the skull withdrawal? I don't what know what it was. I don't know. He was, he, was, he was a character unlike any other for sure. I'd never been a part of anything like Warren Sapp. That's for sure.
0: You know, I, I know we've talked about this before, but the idea that you get drafted to a team that seemed to be on the front end of a dynasty. Yeah. That, that that weren't just going to win one and disappear as they did. Right. I mean, you you're probably thinking I'm going to I'm I'm going to get a Super Bowl ring here. I, they were I'm thinking get a Super Bowl ring as a backup. They,
1: we, remember, if you remember back, people were going, can the Bucks go undefeated this year? You know, will this be the greatest defense in the history of football? And we started out the year pretty good, but I'll, I'll tell you what ended it: Tony Dungy and the Sheriff. That was the final blow. They ended it. That was the 35-14 comeback by Peyton Manning late in the fourth quarter. And that was like that took the wind out of our sails. And I remember our team never being the same after that. And yeah, we kind of uh had a struggle to be like five hundred
0: at the when it was all said and done. Well, there was no quarterback competition for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in two thousand three. Brad Johnson was still the guy he elsewhere was. in the NFC South currently. There is a quarterback competition that still curiously continues to rage between the incumbent Sam Darnold, sort of incumbent, and Baker Mayfield, the newcomer that we all thought was going to be handed the job. Here's Matt Rule, head coach of the Panthers, on whether and to what extent his two quarterbacks will continue to share reps or how long that will last. Here he is.
1: I think so. Um, I know so. I don't see us making any major decisions at any position. I don't. Start, I'm not putting a timetable on the quarterback position, but at anything, even like you guys asked me about left tackle, until after we get from the Patriots Week. I think the Patriots Week is a like true litmus test for us. Of hey, where are we really? You know, we're going against another team. We're practicing. I think that'll really show us where guys are. So we'll continue to split the reps, and um, then we'll you know make we'll make some evaluations off of today's tape. We'll make some evaluations after training camp in Wofford ends on Wednesday. And then probably after the game and and the Patriots.
0: I really am surprised that Mayfield hasn't emerged more decisively, more quickly, because every rep that's going to Sam Darnold is a rep that could be going to Mayfield to get him better prepared for week one. That's the biggest problem with these training camp quarterback competitions, Chris. Both guys are getting less work than they otherwise would. So whoever gets the job isn't going to be as prepared as he would have been. And I understand that where else are you going to do the competition, but but it, it puts the winner at an advantage. And if anything, and I say this all the time, all the guy wins who wins the quarterback job for week one is the right to be the first guy benched.
1: Well, it, uh, there's plenty of reps to go around in training camp. So, I I, you're, I mean, hey, you'd love your guy to be set in stone to your point. I 100%, 100% hear you, and you want him with the first team. I, I get that, and you're trying to build something. But, again, I think, you know, you've hit on this a lot through our history here talking. You just you can't just hand a guy something. You can't. And, it, you know, as much as you and I believe that Baker Mayfield is better than Sam Darnold, and I think he is, he's still got to go in there into Carolina and prove it to all of those guys. And it's not like they traded a first-round pick for him, and it's not like he's got a $35 million contract where you go, well, we can't make him the backup. We've got to push him in there. So the politics of the, the 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 competition are even as well. You know, I mean, Sam Darnold's making more money than Baker Mayfield, right? Am I wrong about
0: that? I thought, I think so. They're
1: making the same,
0: but but the Panthers are only paying Mayfield five. Exactly, million, or, that's yeah, what it five is. five million. Right, but so, they both are making eighteen point eight. So
1: that's where it's rare in a quarterback. Oh no,
0: no, no, no! No, wait a minute, wait a minute. I forgot. I forgot. Mayfield gave up. He three, gave it three up. Million. The right, right. So right. Darnold is making more. Yes. Never mind. So that's yes. where
1: it's weird. It's a very weird optics or whatever compared to your normal quarterback situation, where you go, "Wait, we got two guys here who." You know, are making the same money. Yeah, one's proven to be a little bit better so far in his NFL career, but the other guy's been here and knows the offense, and that goes back to what we talked about in the spring a little bit, where, you know, even Baker Mayfield, again, who we think is better and all that, he can't know the offense as well as Sam Darnold does yet. He can't. I would be shocked if that's the case. I'm sure he's working hard and doing his best to catch up, but... Uh, I, I, I think that for those reasons and the fact that there is no political like, wait, you got to play this guy because we're paying him this or we gave away that to do it, th- they can let it play out. And again, I don't think they necessarily got Baker Mayfield to just go, wait, you're the week one starter. Let's go no matter what. I think it's a little bit of like CYA too, which for, for people don't know what CYA is, it's cover your ass, all right, where you go, hey, wait, maybe Sam Darnold does start week one but if he looks like the Sam Darnold we saw last year through week three then we go okay well now we don't have unproven commodities coming off the bench at least we got a guy here that we know can come off and you know throw some flamethrowers around the 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 lot here and and be a a, be a leader of our football team so I could see it going both ways but I'm with you I do expect Baker Mayfield to take control of that at some point.
0: You know damn well that everyone knows what CYA means. You just wanted to say ass.
1: I did. I just. I did. I wanted to say it, but I wasn't sure. You know, there might be some people out there. Might be some of our UK listeners that are might might not be up on that. I'm not sure.
0: The 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 Panthers. I wonder what they said to Mayfield when they traded for him, because maybe it really was his best option, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe it was. Right. But but I thought he was going to wait especially when you're giving up $3.3 million and, and making it all incentives that can be earned back. There's no trigger for extra payment no. for being the backup. You got to be on the field. Right. You got to be achieving. You got to be playing. You got to be doing stuff to make that money back. So did they tell him? What did they tell him? Did he just make a bad assumption? That I, don't, I doubt they told him. They, they wouldn't come after me. Why would they come after me if they already have Sam Darnold? Why would they want me? They got Darnold. They drafted Matt Corral. Why would they come after me? They must want me to be the starter. I say all that because obviously if there's a negative reaction from Mayfield, we get a real test as to whether or not he's matured after his time in Cleveland. Does he get a little salty? Does he get a little snippy? Do we start getting reports from unnamed sources about what's going on in Carolina that trace back whether there are fingerprints or not to Baker Mayfield. These are all things to watch and see. Because I know there was frustration in Cleveland. A lot of stuff that got out was yes. him talking. That was his platform for venting his frustration. Will that happen in Carolina if he's not the week one
1: starter? Well, I, I, I hope not. You know, Because, again, I think it will only hurt him. It's only going to hurt him. And I, th- I think he realizes that. He's been you know, putting on his best face so far for sure. And you can see he's making an impression in the locker room. I mean, we, we, you know, we talking noise, talking crap. That's what he does. So it, it, there is like, you know, some real value in that. But Mike, I, I think you hit on it. I don't think there was better options that I don't think there was one out there that was anything that was like, Oh, wait, I think he looked at this and went, well, I, I don't know what else there is. And I think I can beat this guy out. So I'm going to go for it. And then I think would also, you know, Plays into the Carolina Panthers' hands or a team's hands when it's this case is again what we've talked. To hey, Baker Mayfield loves football. You can say what you want about him. He likes it. He wants to work on it. So his desperation to get on a team and get learning and all that, yeah, was used against him there. And he finally just said, "Forget it. The hell with the three million dollars. I'll do another, you know, progressive commercial and we'll we'll go from there." But I just need to get in somewhere and compete and get going here because if you wait any longer. You know you're gonna have no chance, and and I think that's that's probably where he was at at the end of the day. So yeah, you know, we'll see where this goes. Uh, it is interesting, it is, but I, I'm sure he's not caught up to Sam Darnold in the playbook quite yet to be able to just go, you know, okay, now I can let my physical ability go and let's just see who's better. I do believe he's better, but maybe the mental stuff is still not quite you
0: know on par with each other there. By the way, the progressive relationship ended when his relationship with the Browns ended because progressive. Is headquartered in the Cleveland area. I didn't know actually that. In Mayfield Heights, aptly named Mayfield That's Heights, hilarious. Ohio. So, <laughs> Progressive ended. There will be no at-home with Baker Mayfield. They were from good, Bank though. America. They were good. Stadium. Well, they they were good. And yeah. as Shereen Williams said at one point, Baker Mayfield has more commercials than he has wins. He <laughs> has since compiled some more wins, but he's not going to have any wins if he's not the starter week one. I just assumed he would be, especially with the Browns coming to town what a slap in the face that would be if he's not the starter for that game but as of right now we don't know and Matt Rule's not going to make a decision for a couple more weeks at the earliest because they've got Washington this weekend and then that trip to New England in the second week of the preseason well, We'll we'll see how it goes I
1: just one last thing Darnold does have talent here so this is not like some pushover and I do think that we have to address with Darnold even though I think we're both like expecting Baker Baker Hey, that was a crap situation he was stuck in last year. Now McCaffrey got hurt, and I don't care, and I'll sit down, and we can watch football together, fans out there. But Joe Brady and that offense did Sam Darnold no favors, none. We were discussing this in, what, week five last year or week six where I was starting to go, man, I'm watching film, and Mike, I, I don't know. I, I, it's the second quarter, and I've seen the same play seven times already. You know, Again, it's cool to see the same play seven times in a row In the second quarter, if it's gashing somebody for 15 and 20 yards at a time. But when you're going, wait, they got two yards. They got sacked. There was nobody open. The defense is all over it. And we're calling it again. So I I do have a little bit of a, I, I guess, a realistic part in my brain or a soft spot in my heart there for a guy that was in a bad situation. McCaffrey got hurt. Not a good offensive line. And the offense was
0: stinky. I mean, period. Well. If Donald ends up winning that job, there's going to be a lot of questions and scrutiny and criticism of Mayfield for not going the Jimmy G route, especially because he mm. had $18.8 million guaranteed in hand. Now, that would have made it easier for the Browns to squat on him into the season. But up until the trade deadline, you just sit back and – I just – I see, I don't think he would have been wired to go along. That's not his way. It's football season. I need to be part of. That's team. what I mean. I need right. to be contributing. Right. I can't. I can't do this halfway. I can't halfway. sit here and do this. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's and that's what's on unfortunate. Right. That's
1: what's unfortunate for the players. You know, that's where they're a little powerless sometimes. You want to play. You want to go. And we know teams use that against you. Oh, he won't. He won't hold that long. He likes football too much. He's he's going to be here. And, and we've talked about this before with certain other players where yeah, it gets used against them because, like you said, the clock is ticking. And you got to get going, and your careers aren't
0: that long unless you're Tom Brady. The Seahawks were linked to Baker Mayfield not long before the Panthers traded for him, and that may have been one of the things that actually got the Panthers to get the deal done, the possibility that the Seahawks would enter the conversation. The Seahawks have been linked to Jimmy Garoppolo as well. For now, it's Geno Smith, Drew Locke. Geno Smith, as of Friday, according to Pete Carroll, continued to be in the lead as the number one option for the Seahawks. They had a mock game on Saturday. Some reports have suggested that Drew Locke had the better of the showing in that. Here's Pete Carroll talking about the performance of his top two quarterbacks in the mock game that was played over the weekend. What did you think of Drew Locke and Geno?
2: Uh, they looked like we threw the ball pretty good, you know, and, and uh, uh, it, it, the way it worked out, Drew got some more opportunities. Um, but I thought they threw the ball real nice in, in the control stuff uh, underneath, and we're clean with the ball coming out. Protection was good early, um, so uh, it, it'll give us a good chance to to see him. If you notice, they worked with the with the first O line. Both guys got work with the first O line today, and uh, and the first receiver. So it was, it, it'll be a nice uh, nice chance to compare these guys.
0: You know, he is not going to let on one way or the other what he's thinking about doing. He'd like to keep the Broncos in the dark as long as possible. There are the basic numbers for Locke and Smith from the mock game. 19 for 26 for Locke, 11 for 20 for Smith. The offense just did more with Locke, according to Greg Bell of the Tacoma News Tribune. And and the door's been open for Locke to jump Smith. It's been open. And both guys saying great things about how they're going to support each other. Locke went through this last year with Teddy Bridgewater, competed right up until the end, and lost it. Smith hasn't been in the mix to be a starter for years, so I I still don't know who it's going to be, but if this weekend means anything, it sounds like maybe Locke is starting to gain some ground, and i will have a chance to to take the lead in the preseason. Preseason is going to be critical. You know, for a lot of these teams, preseason isn't going to mean all that much other than figuring out the last five spots on the roster. That's for, right. for Seattle, it's going to mean everything.
1: Yeah, and then Carolina and Seattle. I think there's two teams where you yep. know, there, there's real there's real tangible like you know ground to be covered here in the preseason. Uh, a little bit like the situation we talked about where you know Drew Locke at least has been there a little longer, but I would think he were getting towards a time here you know, that he's probably getting closer to Geno Smith. I know last week Pete Carroll even brought that up, that, you know, hey, Drew at the line of scrimmage is not quite on top of things white like Geno Smith is yet. And that's, that's to be, you know, that, that's natural. That's normal. Uh, Geno's got, you know, a full year, more than a full year in this system where Drew Locke is, he's playing catch-up. But, I, again, I would think this is the time where it's starting to click. Drew Locke, as we've discussed before, has a ton of talent. Geno Smith's got talent, too. I mean, Gino, if you see him in person, he's a big guy and he can really throw it. And we saw what he did last year with the chances he was given, and he can move around the pocket, too. And he understands, I think, the kind of style of football Pete Carroll wants to play and taking care of the football, run the ball and do that. Drew Locke has not proven that. And then when Pete makes comments like, Drew got more opportunities, I think he's Subtle. 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 Excuse me. Subtle. Subtle. subtly. subtly <laughs> Damn B is silent. Uh, he's subtly. He's subtly letting you know that he got more opportunities. He was he was letting you know that for a reason, in my opinion. You know, because maybe there were some things that, you know, didn't go in Geno's favor or whatever else. You know, hey, maybe a guy ran a wrong route. Maybe, you know, their, their offense was working on something a little different when he's getting there. That's what stinks sometimes about that. You know, there's a few things that happen during a scrimmage like that all the time where it is, oh, man, that quarterback, he got to come in towards the end of the scrimmage. They lost its intensity a little bit. You know, my offensive coordinator figured out at the end of the scrimmage kind of how the defense was playing us through the day. He started to call some better plays and all that. So you don't know. But, again, I think it's very equal, and I do think this is one that's going to play out right in front of us on the football field.
0: Do you think they're biding their time to snatch Garoppolo once he's released by the 49ers? And once he's released, he's free and clear, immediate free agent, can sign with any team. Do you think that they're planning to do that? I, I, I don't get that feeling. I can't say that I've heard anybody,
1: like in football, that I know, like really go down that conversation yet. I know it's been out there, um, but but yeah, I don't I don't know if I buy that. And I mean, you know, I also think of like Seattle. Seattle's had Jimmy Garoppolo's number and Shanahan's number for that stand, standpoint. They might look at it and go, eh. And, and the other thing too, Mike, where we we discuss this a lot, like Jimmy will get there and be the third most physically talented guy on the team. He's not He's not more talented than Drew Locke or Geno Smith. Geno Smith and Drew Locke are going to be bigger human beings that are faster, and they're going to be able to make more aggressive, explosive plays down the field. That's where I get into this conversation a lot. I'm not sure what I know what Jimmy G really is. He's had a lot of silver platter completions and plays delivered to him. He's good. I get it. But I don't know... If he's really any, you know, he, he, to me, is, he, I don't think he is anything better than top 18 in football. I don't really look at him that way. And I, I think that could be another issue there, too. You get Jimmy Garoppolo, they bring him in, they go, wait, that, what? He's not even on the same level throwing the post around as Gino or Drew Locke. Whoa, here's a 25-yard comeback. Gino and Drew Locke are throwing lasers and the ball spinning hard. Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, they can't even get him to throw the ball out there in San Francisco and do that. So that's where I would think it could be a little dicey, too, Mike. Maybe I'm crazy to think that, but, but that's, that's at least my opinion on that one.
0: I continue to think that Pete Carroll is trying to will this thing in the direction of Geno Smith. That it he seems wants like to show it. that he can Agreed. win with Russell Wilson's backup. And that if it's close, or, or even if Drew Locke is just a little bit ahead... I think Gino's the guy. I feel the same one. way, Mike. Locke's going to have to blow it away, I think, to be the week one starter. I,
1: agreed. It just, you know, again, I'm with you, pasta, meatballs, steak, and, you know, mashed potatoes. I, I, just the way Pete talks, and again, even that comment I brought up there, it does make me believe he's leaning Gino as of right now. And, and I would think that the carelessness of Drew Locke with the football has to scare him a little bit, too. I do. I mean, again, that's what we've talked about the last two years when Drew's got his chance is just can you trust him? And we know that's a big thing up there with Pete Carroll and the way he wants to play football. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I think Gino is in the leader house.
0: Hey, remember this. Last year when Smith got a chance to play unexpectedly, he was pretty damn good. When he was. Bridgewater was out and Drew Locke got a chance to play unexpectedly in Denver. It didn't go well. No. Vic Fangio, the coach at the time, called him out for it. When you're the backup, you got to be ready to go. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I guess you could make the argument and then it makes more sense for Drew Locke to be the starter and Geno to be the backup because Drew won't be prepared. But I just think that's part of part of what goes into the to the big pot that, that has all the different factors that you take into account. You know Geno Smith's going to bust his ass to get ready for every game because he did when he was the backup. Yeah. Locke didn't last year, apparently, when he was the backup. And that... That could be just enough to contribute to this This sense we both have. Yeah. That it's going to be Geno Smith, Russell Wilson, five weeks from tonight on Monday Night Football.
1: Yeah, I I, I, I expect it to be that. I do. You know, Seattle, they always believe in their defense. They got two running backs who, if Rashad Penny's healthy, is really damn good, and Kenneth Walker, the second or third, I'm sorry, I don't – I can't third. remember. Third. Third my favorite running back in the draft he's Chris Carson except he has you know fifth and sixth gear you know that, that's where he's so I would think they're going to try to run the ball play defense hey Gino, here's a 20 yard out route you know not in the middle of the field a bunch of people around boom hit that uh, I would think that's the style of football they're going to try to play there that way uh and
0: that's yeah I'm, I'm with you in that Gino thought for sure All right, we need to take a break. When we return, we continue our training camp grab bag series division by division. NFC North next on this Monday edition of PFT Live.
1: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win,
0: defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Peter King's training camp tour continues. Next stop, Chiefs camp. But over the weekend, he spent some time with the Minnesota Vikings, and he caught up with... Drumroll, please! Quarterback, Kirk your Cousins favorite quarterback. The NFL on NBC on YouTube for the full interview. That's Here your QB part of conversation. What would you say
1: is the biggest difference for you in this offense versus the one you ran?
2: Hard to say right now. I think that uh, there's certainly more that's similar than different. It's been interesting to see how much since working with Kevin in 2017, his system in Washington. Or, right in yep. Washington, we worked together it's interesting to see how much has changed and that's just the natural evolution of football that offenses and defenses in this league are constantly finding ways to change and adapt and and try to get a leg up on their opponent and so four or five years pass and you reconnect and you realize so much has changed and um, I find that to be just an
1: interesting fact about the
2: evolution of this game.
1: So probably you would agree with this that you've clearly been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL over the last few years and in the last four years you've averaged plus 22 touchdown to interception ratio which is great but I think most people who watch football say I want Kirk Cousins to take a few more chances I want even if he throws some more picks I want him to throw the ball more downfield do you feel that at all and do you think in this offense you will take more chances than you did
2: well, I think we're pretty explosive. You know, when you look at what Justin Jefferson has done and Adam Thielen has done, and if you look at just the simple numbers with air yards and down-the-field right. passes, I think the, the actual statistics would suggest that we're doing that. I think winning is really what it all comes down to. And, um, you know, we've been around 500, and so we want to be a team with double-digit wins, winning the division, hosting home playoff games, and winning those playoff games. And I think that's really where my focus is, is where we've got to get to.
0: Sore Point. For Kirk Cousins to talk about taking chances, that was one of the big sticking points between him and now fired head coach Mike Zimmer, his reluctance to take chances, to to risk increasing the interceptions on the touchdown-to-interception ratio, Chris. And I, I don't know how that changes with Kevin O'Connell. Uh, maybe you don't need to take chances. Maybe the offense is designed in a way, and that leads to our first thing, fill in the blank under Kevin O'Connell. The Vikings offense will what? Maybe, maybe it won't need a quarterback who sometimes take chances. Well, I, I'm going to, yeah, or I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to
1: say the, uh, the Vikings offense will be more diverse, you know, under Kevin O'Connell. I think that's the thing I, I, that jumps to my mind. Uh, it, it's, it's early in training camp. I know he made comments like it's more similar than different right now. So yeah, they're putting the basics in. They're laying down the, kind of the, the, the train tracks, the foundation, whatever you want to say there, but. I would think, you know, Kevin O'Connell, the people he's been around, he's been some around some smart people, we know that. That, yeah, that he's going to get more later into training camp and they're going to have more formations, more answers, more plays. Hey, more checks when you get to this and on that. And, hey, when the defense does this, we want you to get to that. That's where I feel like we're going to see a difference in this offense. And, yeah, Kirk Cousins, can he have a little bit more maybe of an aggressive frame of mind I think it's not like he's he's aggressive, but he doesn't always have the confidence's arm, I think, is more what it is. Like, his mindset's aggressive. I don't think he's got the confidence's arm all the time to go, oh, wait, I can throw the 25-yard 25 year, 25 year, uh, crossing route laser into, you know, a tight window. And that, is, again, goes back into, like, what the difference is between the superstar quarterbacks and a guy that's a really damn good quarterback but not top five or eight or anything like that you know Mahomes Rodgers they see this 25 yards down the field they go I'm gonna get it in there no problem he's open Kirk Cousins might go "Eh, let me see if somebody underneath is open you know now if he's open by A foot, two feet, whatever like that, Kirk Cousins is really good. But I think that's probably what Mike Zimmer was asking of him. And I don't know if Kevin O'Connell is going to ask him to do that a whole lot. I think he'll have more plays that will be like, hey, just be accurate right there. And boom, and boom, and boom. And then I'll set it up to hit that one where he's open. And you don't have to worry about throwing it into a tight window. That's how I can at least see it
0: playing out. I have one small caveat on what you just said. Yeah. Regular season, Rodgers makes that throw. Playoff, Rogers maybe doesn't. I got make that you. You're, that's a that's a fair
1: point. Maybe I should have said Brady and Mahomes then, because Brady, who used to kind of be like that in New England, to me that's the coolest thing about him. Now he just he goes down swinging, and he's gonna he's throwing the hundred mile per hour fastball. But yes, Rogers, you're right, has seemed to be a little conservative in those type of moments when it comes to the
0: cream of the crop teams in the NFL. I, I don't disagree with you there. All right, Chicago Bears. That was a camp that Peter visited before heading to Minnesota. Buy or sell the new coaching staff in Chicago? Will get the best out of second-year quarterback Justin Fields. Well, you know, like yes, I'll buy it. But what
1: does that mean? You know, okay, yeah, they're gonna get. He's gonna work hard, and they're gonna make him into a better player. I don't doubt that. But, But but I don't know if that's necessarily gonna lead to great results on the field. I'll, again, I'll sit there and question. I mean, I, I don't think they've done him a whole lot of favors with talent. You know, i like their new offensive coordinator and, and uh, Luke Getze uh, coming from Green Bay. I think he's going to learn more football. And, and again, like we just talked about with Kirk Cousins, have more answers, you know, in the offense compared to maybe the Matt Nagy offense. But I just, like you, I think, question is there enough talent around him to really like show us everything he has you know the support system is is necessary so the star players can really show you all that they have to offer and we've seen that with good teams and star players you know, you get on a crap team that star player doesn't look like a star hey there's no hole to run through I'm hey I'm Saquon Barkley I'm a star well that's great there's no hole so it doesn't matter you're, you're not going to be a star on this team you know, there's a lot of those that go around the NFL and that's what I
0: worry about with with Justin Fields Dick Vermeil said over the weekend when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, he became a, he became a much smarter coach once he got Marshall <laughs> right <laughs> in St. Louis. And Justin Fields becomes a much better quarterback if he's got better players yes. around him. And that's my concern. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're going to get the best out of him because they're doing this tear it down and build it up thing. But there hasn't been much building up. It's mainly been tearing down. I just don't know that he's got the help around him when he's on the field, on the offensive side of the ball, to, to get the most out of his skills. And then what happens? They struggle, they lose, and people say, that guy's a bust. Yeah, I hate that. And look, any time you change regimes with a young quarterback, especially a guy who had one year, who was drafted by the guys who got fired, you may have a natural reluctance from the new regime to embrace that guy. And we want our own guy. We don't know if Matt Eberflus was a Justin Fields guy or not, and I guarantee you he did an interview for that job saying, I really wouldn't have made the move for Justin Fields. We don't know whether Ryan Poles would feel the same way, the GM of the team. So it it doesn't feel like they're doing the same things for Fields that other teams are doing to try to support their young quarterbacks. I I would agree with that.
1: I, I. Totally with you. And maybe one of these guys that Look you know, what the
0: Jaguars did. Look exactly. at the difference between the Jaguars and the Bears. Right.
1: Set a record for how much money. Look at what the Jets did for Zach Wilson. I love him. You know? Look at, you know, you can say what you want. Look what, you know, the Patriots, they set the table pretty well for Mac Jones last year too, spending a bunch of big money on tight ends and getting some, you know, maybe not A-plus receivers, but A-minus and B-plus receivers that certainly make them good. You know, Trey Lance, he's certainly not going to be void of talent and creativity, so I, I'm with you there. And I wonder, too, I don't, you, know, you know, maybe a, the, Brian Pringle can show up as the second receiver behind a, a Darnell Mooney. But, you know, Cole Komet, he, he is a good tight end, certainly. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like they've kind of put the, quite the same resources in it. And, and I do wonder sometimes, you know, when you've got a, a defense head coach, hey, they, they look at that defense first, and then
0: they, they try to help out the offense. There always is a chance Brian Pringle will show up. I know they're hoping that Byron Pringle makes <laughs> Sorry. Did I his say that? It no, no, is my bad. Chicago. Uh, Green Bay Packers, scale of 1 to 10, what's your confidence level in the Packers receiver group? Um like a a
1: 6? I don't even know if it's a 6 with the receivers. It's more of like I think maybe it gets bumped up just because of Rodgers and LaFleur. Rodgers and LaFleur. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, Sammy Watkins, I don't have any faith that he'll be healthy. Randall Cobb, it's coming to the end. He does not have, you know, great speed to separate anymore. Lazard's the guy, and I would hope Watson can be the guy that you see at the bottom of this list, who I think was, other than Jameson Williams, the most explosive receiver in the draft this year. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say six for right now.
0: And Rodgers says the guy at the bottom of the screen, Remy Dobbs, yeah. making a wow play every right. day in training camp. So this is all about developing trust and getting the relationships down. Pat's why we thought Rodgers should be there for the off-season program. Just those reps, seeing how guys make their breaks, understanding who they are, understanding what catches they will make. I remember when seven years ago it was a big thing that Marcus Mariota hadn't thrown an interception in training camp practices. And Rodgers was one of the ones who said – This is where I figure out what the limits are, right? This is where I know with each receiver where he's open and where he's not open. So I want to throw some interceptions. I want to know where that line is. I want to know who I can trust and and where that catch radius really is. So this is is the kind of faith that he's building in his guys. It's a compressed time frame because he wasn't there for the offseason program. I know. We'll see. I week started. One, I think I got the Vikings week one right out of the gates.
1: Oh baby, here we go. You get to see Aaron Rodgers week one. Michael Florio. I did. I did start watching the uh, Ayahuasca pod, uh, podcast there with with uh, Aaron Rodgers the other night. It, it's two hours and thirty minutes long. I'm about thirty or forty minutes in, um, but it, it is interesting. And I know a lot of people are making big deal about it. I don't, you know, I, I this is where I I love Aaron Rodgers, and this is my guy. Uh, you know, again, I think you take the seven or eight prime years of any quarterback in the history of football. Nobody's better than Aaron Rodgers. He's the greatest talent I've ever seen. You know, and I know we got Mahomes and Allen coming up the the, the way here, but man, it was cool to see him dive into some of these issues and I'm I'm interested to see where it was just getting good and it was getting late at night and I turned it off but I know a lot of people especially in the football world they just hear love yourself and ayahuasca and whoa this guy's diving into feelings and things that's such a no-no in macho football world and honestly that's what I love about Aaron Rodgers he just he don't give a damn he's going to be pretty honest for the most part and he's going to say it how it is and you know, it's it's it is, Mike. I think it's kind of a cool watch. It's uh, Aubrey Marcus. I'm giving the guy free pub here, but it's it's pretty good.
0: What's amazing is a couple of years ago he desperately cared. He's had this turn yeah. in the last 2 years where he doesn't care anymore. And maybe it was the ayahuasca that set him free. Yeah, it sounds like it is. I mean, from from everything you get from
1: this, it was, you know, that Jordan Love draft moment was like, "Wait, what the hell is going on? He had some demons there that he had to figure out." And you know, this ayahuasca has certainly helped, I guess. You know, has not guess. It, it's helped some people through some of their, you know, mental issues, struggles, or whatever, uh, where life takes you some time.
0: And, and there is some some people that have benefited from it. And Rogers certainly seems to be one of them. So it was four fingers of tequila the night that Jordan Love was drafted, four kettles of ayahuasca at some point after the fact. <laughs> and the ayahuasca apparently more effective than tequila. Real quickly, fill in the blank, the breakout star – for Hard Knocks featuring the Detroit Lions will be who? Oh, well,
1: I want to say it's Dan Campbell. I mean, it, it, does that count? I mean, is that allowed to be like? I, I just feel like the whole the whole world's gonna like look at Dan Campbell in this. I can, this is where I can't wait, and they're just gonna be like, oh my gosh, I've never seen a coach talk like this or do this right here, you know, or be built like this or use the language that he does. Uh, I think it's going to be one of the more I'm a, actually I think is about intrigued with hard knocks this year as I've been in a long long time just because of Dan Campbell and what he's trying to build there and changing that culture and you know he seems like a crazy mofo he seems
0: like my kind of guy I like it it's funny when you mentioned language because we were having some fun with Jason Garrett last week because he was saying something about your language <laughs> and I said whoa whoa <laughs> I I watched uh, all or nothing featuring the Dallas Cowboys on Amazon and hey man what did he say he goes he was they, you know, they told me this left and right <laughs> yeah and he's like hey, they
1: told me they were going to be able to you know edit some of this stuff and then i turn it on and there i am so i, I think he thought he was going to get away with some of those four-letter words but no yeah we're on to you jason garrett
0: <laughs> i think it's gonna be jamal williams yeah that's a good I, one I th- too because i think most people aren't aware of just how colorful and engaging he is and those cameras and microphones are going to be drawn to Jamal Williams. Yeah, uh, uh, 100%. He's, he's going to be a guy that a lot of people don't know about, should know about, and will know about starting, is that tomorrow night, this week? I Wednesday think it is. Night? This, is this it? week it debuts. I My think it god is. god time right? flies when you're having fun. All right, let's take a break. Let's do the grab bag for the AFC North. We'll do that when this Monday edition of PFC Live continues right after this. AFC North time and one of the big questions is in Cincinnati where the offensive line good enough to get them to the Super Bowl or maybe they got there despite the offensive line. Offensive line not good enough to deliver a victory. Let's begin there. Grab bag. AFC North. Fill in the blank with a revamped offensive line. Expect the Bengals offense to what, Chris? I think be, you know,
1: top five-ish in football. That's that's where I go. Or unstoppable. Uh, I, I just... Joe Burrow is a superstar. Those three receivers, it's the best receiving core in football. They got pretty good tight end play. We know that the running back's real. The only thing that's holding them back is the damn, the, the, the Bengals, it was their offensive line last year. And the fact that they got to the Super Bowl, which I will say is the worst offensive line to ever get to the Super Bowl that I can remember, unless somebody else wants to point one Steelers. out Steelers. Yeah, Steelers, Steelers you're right. 40. That might have been one too. Exactly right. That rivals that. Exactly right. You know, and, and similar players, You know, slippery quarterbacks who can move around the pocket and make some great throws that way. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm expecting it to be big time.
0: Yeah, I, we, we don't know that they're going to be dramatically better, but they can't be worse. So I agree with you. Look how good the offense was last year with – an offensive line that didn't really hold up. So it doesn't take much to make it better, and it will make for a great offense for the Bengals. Take your pick who will be the Steelers' starting quarterback week one. The first depth chart, the officially unofficial, non binding preseason depth chart, goes Mitch Trubisky, one, Mason Rudolph, two, Kenny Pickett, three. Who's the week one starter? I'm
1: going Mitchell Trubisky all the way here. Uh, I am, you know, again. If he fails, Kenny Pickett will come in at some point. I would, I would imagine, but uh, I just think Trubisky, pretty talented. I think the team is, you know, not in a rebuild type of mode here or anything like that. And uh, I, I expect him to be the guy, and they bring Kenny Pickett along slowly and and find the right time to, you know, inject him into the equation.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It's always easier to go from the veteran to the rookie than the rookie to the veteran. Once you give the job to the first rounder, you pretty much have to stick with him. Ben Roethlisberger wasn't the week one starter in 2004. An injury to Tommy Maddox opened the door for him, and I think it is going to be Trubisky who gets a bad rap. He's been better in the NFL than than I think advertised. Took the Bears to the playoffs twice. Wasn't a good fit for the Matt Nagy offense. I remember four years ago, when Nagy got that job, how frustrated were you were by some of Nagy's public comments about Trubisky. Just never embraced him. Never built the offense around Trubisky. Expected Trubisky to fit the offense and I think that'll be different in Pittsburgh and they'll embrace his talents and I think he will be the starter. Scale of 1 to 10 in Cleveland. For however long Deshaun Watson is out, whether it's 6 games, 12 games, or 17 games, what's your confidence level in the guy who presumably will take his place, Jacoby (sighs) Brissett?
1: six somewhere in there yeah it's 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 six with the caveat of like you know i expect them to play a style of football that we talked about at the start of the, the start of the show where it's not just like hey jacoby we're gonna drop back 42 times and you know we're gonna play through you it's six and okay they're gonna play a style of football run the ball you know be smart defense has got a lot of talented football players on it that way and, hey, we need you to occasionally make a big third and seventh throw and something like that. So I think he can manage a game. You know, he can make all the throws in the field. He's going to stand in the pocket and be tough, no doubt about it. But, uh, yeah, six is as high
0: as I'm going to go uh, as of right now. I was a little surprised they didn't keep Case Keenum around because he knew the offense. But you know what? When you bring in Deshaun Watson, you throw away the offense – and you develop a new one. And that's what's going to be interesting to me. Is this Jacoby Brissett running the offense they've concocted for Deshaun Watson? Or is it some remnant? And, yeah, hey, Kevin Stefanski is an offensive guy. He'll figure out a way to get the most out of Jacoby Brissett. It may be a Jacoby Brissett offense. See, that's why this is so difficult right now for the Browns. you got to get Deshaun Watson ready for week when? I don't know. 7, 13? Never. Like, if they know he's not playing at all this year, they're limiting the ability to get Brissett ready. What what plays are you going to use with Watson? What plays are you going to use with Brissett? It gets very complicated very quickly. And then if Watson's going to be out for the whole year, Chris, are you in the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes? I know. I know the Browns have said they're not, but that's operating under the glass-half-full idea that they're not going to be without Watson for most of the year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, last week, Kevin Stefanski said they've got multiple plans – and it'll be very interesting to see if Watson's gone for the year, if the legal challenges go nowhere, what will they do? Would they trade for him? Would they wait for him to be cut? I, I. So anyway, t- to answer the question, I'm at about a five with Brissett. Yeah. Especially if he's going to be the guy for as long as I think he's going to be. It's one thing if it's a short term. But if you're talking about 12 games or longer, I've got less confidence.
1: Yeah, I I, I hear you there. Well, they got to play a certain style of football. I think that's that's the biggest thing we're talking about. And you're right. It's not going to be if it's Deshaun Watson. I think it would be more pass-heavy. Play through the pass. Scare you that way. Oh, we're getting a lot of too deep because Watson's killing them with Amari Cooper and you know and and Schwartz down the field. All right. Oh, now we can run the ball because they're trying to stop the deep pass play. No, well, now I think you're going to see. Run the ball. Oh wait, there's there's they're playing the run. Ah, run it again. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, now we got to now it's you know we got to throw here or we're gonna do a play action pass. There's definitely gonna be a different flow to the offense. I would imagine with Jacoby Brissett. Now I don't. I doubt they've gotten to the part part of training camp where you know like like we talked about a little earlier. It's 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 still basics. We're still just putting down the the basics of the offense, the foundation and all that. We haven't got into specific game planning and, whoa, this guy can do this, and I'm going to unveil these 10 or 12 plays here that he can do and make this a part of the offense. I doubt they're there yet. Uh, So, you know, we'll we'll see where it goes. But I I do think it'll be a, a certain style of football under Jacoby Brissett
0: buy or sell Lamar Jackson will play the week one game for the Baltimore Ravens with a brand new contract. Are you buying or are you selling? I'm selling. I mean,
1: I don't know. I mean, I just feel like I'm clueless here. And the fact that one hasn't gotten done yet doesn't make me feel any better than it's going to get done sometime here in the next five weeks. I I just, I'm just going to go with what we've seen to this point that it's not going to happen. And It's going to continue to be the weirdest contract negotiation dance that I've ever seen in the history of the
0: NFL. I don't think he's signing a contract before the season or during the season or even after the season. I think the only way he ever does another contract with the Ravens is if they apply the non-exclusive franchise tag, another team signs him to an offer sheet if they're even able to do that, and then the Ravens match it. That's the only way I think they're going to get another contract with Lamar Jackson, barring some sort of dramatic change like Jackson doing what he should have done long ago and hiring an agent, I also don't think he's going to defect week one either because he'd be giving up 1.27 million each and every week if he doesn't play, and he's wired to play. He's wired to play. Yes, and he's taken the risk, the physical risk, and he should have a deal done, and uh, he doesn't, and I don't think he will. Let's take a quick break. Later, we're going to discuss. Some very interesting comments that were made by John Gruden's agent regarding the possibility, at least in the agent's mind, of John Gruden coaching again. We'll be back with more PFT Library after this. Bob Lamont is a longtime agent who represents John Gruden and many other coaches and executives in the NFL. He spoke with Ira Kaufman of JoeBucksFan.com recently and... Lamont used the term that Brent Musburger did back when this was all happening to Gruden, calling it a hit job that resulted in Gruden being pushed out as coach of the Raiders. Emails from 2011 that were then leaked to the media, forcing Gruden out. Here's what else Lamont said. I really believe in my heart and soul that Gruden will coach again. I'd be very surprised if he didn't. My question is, what did John really do? Most people wouldn't want their private emails from 10 days ago looked at. That's why if you were to go to trial, it would be devastating for the National Football League. This wasn't good for anybody. That's why he ended up suing the NFL and Goodell, because everyone knows it was wrong. You have 650,000 emails, and his six were picked out. He wasn't even in the league. He prevailed in court, and he will prevail again. I think that Lamont was hitting in a strategy there for the litigation where maybe they will try to take a look at the email messages of other prominent figures in the NFL from 10 years ago. What have they said in those moments? I don't know that a judge is going to let them do that because I think at a certain point it becomes a fishing expedition, yeah. which typically is frowned upon in litigation. You have to be looking for element that is, or evidence excuse me, that is either relevant or reasonably calculated to lead to the discovery of admissible evidence I just I don't know that saying, well, I want to see Roger Goodell's emails from ten years ago and I want to see this person's, I want to see that person's. I don't think that flies. The argument may have some appeal though, right? It may. Yeah. But but I, I still don't buy the idea that he's gonna coach again. I don't care if he wins a hundred million dollars in his lawsuit. I don't think any NFL team is gonna co is gonna hire him to be the head coach again.
1: Uh, I'm with you there, one hundred percent. I think Bob Lamont, you know, the Bob Lamont hype machine, that's it's it's really what people around the NFL call it. He's a master at that. I think he's trying to speak it into existence. I'm sure it's still eating at John Gruden, who loves football and watching film and doing all those things. And, you know, what Bob Lemont is saying or what any of us is that it is a hit job. He got screwed. There's no doubt about that. He did. it. It was not fair. And, you know, I think, you know, I don't know why it happened. I think you and I have our reasons of why we think it happened, but we don't know that. And... But I just don't think, no, with this current climate and the world we're in and the language that was used in those emails, like that's where, you know, again, like lines like, hey, you know, most people don't want, you know, their emails from 10 days. ago." Like that, that to me is just like, I don't even know what I want to call that. Just talk. That's just talk. Yeah. I've never wrote an email to anybody that goes along those lines or uses those language. No way. So that's where it's, it's it, and there's a lot of people out there that are just like me that have never gone like that or even had those thoughts when they were writing an email or a text or anything like that. So I'm not saying I'm sitting here being perfect. I've sent a lot of people the middle finger emoji and some stuff like that, but certainly haven't even gotten close to, you know, some of the territory that John Gruden used in that. And that's where it's just, I just, I'm with you. There's no way you'll ever be back in the NFL. Maybe college football. Maybe there, but there's no way the NFL is having him back.
0: The question is whether or not Gruden is part of a broader culture or whether or not he's an aberration. And that was one of the things that we talked about a lot in the aftermath of that. Is this indicative of how folks in these positions typically communicate or is it a one-shot thing? Is he the only one? And maybe they find out through this litigation. Look, he got what he deserved, But there are things about it that still bother us. They were 10-year-old emails. They were part of a trove of documents that were supposedly being kept secret, but someone weaponized just a few of them to take out John Gruden. During a season, it hurt the Raiders and it hurt Gruden. But still, all that said, he sued the NFL. He sued Roger Goodell. He's not getting back in the NFL. Look at Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick, yeah, he initially got shunned, because of the anthem thing but when you take on big shield and you force them to pay between 5 and 10 million bucks that doesn't get you a red carpet rolled out to go join one of the other teams in a fairly small shop who else is going to hire him that's the other thing too chris mark davis was the only one that was going to hire him 4 years ago yeah he wasn't very good he didn't go to the playoffs once in the 3 years that he finished there maybe he would have made it last year since the team made it without him but it's not like people are going to be saying, Whoa, well, John Gruden is just a Super Bowl championship waiting to happen.
1: No, I, you're right about that. I don't think anybody's thinking that. And and I think your point with like Big Shield taking that on, it certainly doesn't help his case that way, definitely. And then, you know, anything politics or insensitive, you know, borderline racist comments and some other, you know, ingenuous language that was used there. Uh, This it's not going to fly. And again, I, you know, I, not that football coaches are, are perfect or anything, but I I don't think you're going to go around football and seeing a lot of emails that they did release them that are going to quite look like that. I'm sorry. They're not as much as I want to respect my old coach and everything there. You're not going to find that. I, you know, certainly from not the new age coaches and The Bill Belichicks of the world and those type of guys, I I would just have a hard time believing that too. So that's where I I don't buy that all all the way. And yeah, you know, it is unfortunate. He wasn't even in coaching and he wasn't even in the NFL when this was sent. And it's all, it's all weird, but unfortunately it did happen. And the facts are the facts at this point. And I just can't see any way that any team's going to want to bring him in and then deal with the backlash, distraction, all of those type of things, where fan base is going to be like, "What?" And it's just not going to be a good look for the shield, you know. At the end of the day.
0: By the way, for those of you keeping at home, a Simsism scorecard. Ingenuous <laughs> is a word. Yes. It just doesn't mean what Chris it didn't, thought did it did. It? It, it means innocent and unsuspecting. So disingenuous. What am I looking for? Disingenuous. disingenuous. That's really yeah. That's, that's still really, not. It, it, still well he got lucky okay he got lucky a word came out that happened to actually be recognized by the language it just doesn't mean what you (laughs) what you thought it meant yeah i i i i do i won't even be stunned i'm saying there is no way in hell one of the 32 franchises in the nfl or 30 because the bucks and the raiders are probably probably not bringing it back although I don't, I, I don't know how long Josh McDaniels is going to be the coach of the Raiders, but I guess if anybody would give the NFL the middle finger and hire the guy again, it would be Mark Davis. I just I still don't see it happening anywhere for him in the NFL, and he's not going to reduce himself to go work for the XFL or, or no the way. USFL. No, no. I mean, you know, maybe with Gruden, uh,
1: college football, maybe something he looks at there. Where he could be a part of a program that, you know, is willing to kind of swipe do, this under the rug. Do, but I don't think do you so either. Really right. see,
0: do you really no, see I him don't. I don't. properly interacting with 18- and 19-year-olds from the standpoint of being patient and teaching them? No. He doesn't like teaching. I mean, he, he wants guys who are going to be ready to go. Yeah. No, I. I, I you're, you're you exactly lived right. it, right. Yeah, I
1: lived it. He doesn't. It, it, hey, the the years I was there, and I know one of the complaints with the Glazier family when they they finally fired John Gruden was the lack of developing of young talent. Because anytime we had a hole in the roster, we were always looking for the ten year veteran to fill in, and uh, I, I think that's just, that's a real thing with with John Gruden. And and he flirted with the idea of Notre Dame and a few places like that, but ultimately, I think like what you said is spot on. Uh, he's just not made for that, having to you know bs with parents and kiss their butts and you know act like the the high school kid that hasn't done crap is the greatest thing you've ever seen and you got to roll out a red carpet that ain't John Gruden let alone I think even in college football what he did was you know too bad to where they 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 can't let that happen either
0: by the way the status of the lawsuit John Gruden did win on the question of whether or not the case would be forced into the secret-rigged kangaroo court of arbitration that is run by the NFL. The NFL undoubtedly will appeal and appeal and appeal and appeal, and I think it'll be bogged down for months, if not years. Not many years, but a couple years as the NFL tries to get someone at some higher level of the justice system to disagree with the ruling that the case stays in court. They don't want this case in court of all the cases we've seen in recent years. This is the one they don't want in court because if it's in court, there's a lot of stuff that's going to come out. that's going to make the NFL look bad. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Monday edition of PFT library right after this. Well, Justin Reed, how about this? from 65 yards and not much of an approach that's and he bangs it he puts it through i assume this was not digitally modified like the video of you throwing the football at the goalpost and here's jordan like this is the aaron donald thing can't even do a walkthrough with a guy like this around (laughs) just blows everything up there it is get used to that philadelphia eagles offensive line Ooh, and that's of right get used to that amazing that's, feats we've seen over the weekend definitely
1: I, I can't wait to see jordan davis i mean just a beast i that, that that eagles team watch out for them man do i like their roster and what they're doing there certainly and what 65 yard field goal by a, a good safety I, I don't i don't i've never been on a I've never been on a team that had anybody that could kick a ball like that. Like that—that that is like really something to say. You're right, and only like a basically a two or three step step up there.
0: I mean, that's 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 amazing. And clears it with room to spare it looked too. Like it wasn't it. one of those. It just makes it over the bar. So well done by Justin Reed, and it's it's very different doing it in that setting and doing it in a game. I still think that one of the most difficult things in the NFL to do even though plenty of guys can do it it's still got to be incredibly difficult to do your approach and there's no ball there the ball materializes in that spot as you're into your approach and you just hope that they get the ball in the right spot because you're swinging your leg and there's no ball there yeah you better hope it's there right
1: right no I I know he is kicking it off a tee right so that's a that was a that was a benefit still amazing but I'm with you. And it's a pressure-packed position. Unlike the rest of football players where it's a reactionary sport and all that, kicking is like, oh, crap, everybody's watching me. This is it right here. And then those are the moving factors you're talking about.
0: That is it for today. I'm going to go out and practice my 65-yard field goal. Everybody have a good Monday. <laughs> See ya. See you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?